Hello and welcome to Outdoors in Scotland. This is my podcast for folk who, like the Outdoors in Scotland, read does what it says on the tin, which is always a good idea, isn't it? Um, my 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 guest today um, uh, has um, a new book coming out on the 28th of this month, and only a week's time, called Out of Mind, um, which I've been reading and I'm going to talk to him about. Um, I think it's an important book. Um, it's important because I think it, it it talks about some very traumatic incidents that we'll sort of go into uh, in in the in the interview. There is a dark side to mountaineering that we all know about. Um, but one of the things I think we're not very good at doing is talking about how we cope with that and how we deal with the events that 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 can be be, be very difficult for all of us and and leave us kind of with with some scars sometimes. Mountaineering is a, a fantastic pursuit. It takes you to literally to the highest places in the world, but it can also take you to to great depths. And my guest today, um, his book uh, deals with that. So I'd like to talk to him about that. Um, so he's a, a filmmaker and a, a mountaineer um, and a barefoot runner. We'll talk a bit about that as well. My guest is Joe French. Hello, Joe. How are you? Hello, John. Yeah, I'm very good. Nice to hear you. Thanks for the intro. <laughs> Thank you. You're very welcome. Quite. It's it's a difficult book to sum up yours, I think. <laughs> um. Well, let's start with we're kind of where your book starts in a way. Um. You climbed. Uh. Or, or you you set you 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 seconded Dave McLeod of "Don't Die of Ignorance," which sounds the most. A terrifying thing that anybody could do. Uh, I'm just going to, what I'll do is I, I've read a small, let me read a little excerpt from your book that talks about that, that difficult point. My dead weight hung over the void and now I couldn't feel my hand. My legs continued to pedal through thin air. Curtains started to close in on my vision. Primal fear was stretching and playing with time. This moment had become an eternity that was no longer linked to the next moment, just a series of patchy images. Was it even my hand I was looking at? At this point, I felt a profound shift of perspective occur. I became a witness to my situation rather than the person it was happening to. Not from out of my body, but from somewhere else within. Then came an explosion of strength and clarity that surged through my system, as if I had blown through my own seams to a place beyond fear. I was able to see my situation objectively and come up with a plan well it, yeah it was it's, it's kind of hard to summarize how that route felt um <laughs> which is perhaps why i had to write it down but it was right at the beginning of my career and i was working um in the high school here in lock harbour and i'd been given a camera to work with the students with and because I've got such a keen interest in, in mountains and climbing and, and so on, I thought it was a great opportunity to, to teach myself to become a, a climbing cameraman. So, right. uh, so, so that's where that started. So I, I made a film, actually a, a documentary about 
um, rock climbing in Glen Nevis. Mm -hmm. and, and that um, and through doing that, I met Dave McLeod, who I was a bit in awe of, actually. Dave McLeod is one of the world's leading all round yeah. climbers. And um, to suddenly be looking down a camera and seeing his face <laughs> that I was recording was was quite something. So so we, we hit it off well. And um, after our film about Paul Dew, uh, Dave gave me a call and see to see if I would follow him on Don't Die of Ignorance, which is a, an yeah. aid route on Ben Nevis that Andy Cave and Simon Yates had climbed in the mid 80s. And its name comes from the uh, the advert of the time warning against the danger of AIDS. Um, so it's quite an ominous name and um, and an ominous route as well. I, I said yes to it very, very eagerly, the chance to <laughs> climb with one of the best climbers in the world and film him. But I didn't actually think he'd do it. I think he'd been trying the same route for about four years and each time he was getting to the same point and falling off. And I thought, well, you know, chances are that's going to happen again. But actually, when he did it, um, <laughs> I, w I was I was delighted for him. But but also um, <laughs> just belaying him on it was was traumatic enough. And then suddenly I found my situation. Suddenly I found myself in the situation where I had to follow him. And um, now Dave, like I say, is one of the world's best all round climbers. I definitely am not. I'm a good climber. I've climbed all my life, but his levels of skill are on a whole different level. And um, all I could do was do my best to follow him. I couldn't climb it the way he had. So I had to try and aid across putting my ice axes through the carabiners he'd left behind on the, on the pitch. And very soon I was out of my depth and hanging by one wrist and wondering how on earth I was going to get myself out of the situation. Um, so yeah, that's a, that's a brief summary of, a, of, of, of quite a, a, a traumatic event on a mountain right there. <laughs> Yeah, it sounded. It, 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 I must. Have, I, I, I kept thinking, how on earth did this guy persuade himself to do this? <laughs> it sounded. It sounded such a such a, a a stretch for you. You know, it was. A, I mean, um, and it was a traverse, wasn't it? So obviously that 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 means that you couldn't just be hauled up the damn thing. You know, you had to you had to find a way of climbing it. Afterwards, though, you you, you, you in the book you describe uh, almost a manic phase after it. And then sort of like collapsing. What, what sort of what sort of effect did it have after that climb? Well, yeah, I mean, it, it was quite it's quite difficult to write about all that. Yeah, and um, and I, and I, I would say it, that you've written a very a very honest book, and, I, and it must have been difficult to write about it, certain sections of it. I think it was, but but I thought it was interesting to explore. You know, quite often we read accounts of big climbs and big scary things yeah. and, and 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 that's all we get and i thought it would be quite interesting to 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 explore what actually was going on inside me and and, yes. and building up to that climb i'd had quite a lot going on in my personal life and coming so close to um being in an impossible situation i mean i i was you know, as, as close to death as I'd ever been in that situation where I was hanging by my wrist loop. Mm -hmm. And I experienced quite a profound shift in my psyche when that was going on. And, and I kind of became a witness to what was going on rather than the person it was happening to. 
Mm-hmm. And, and the sheer amount of, of adrenaline and, and um, chemicals that were flooding through my system by the end of it took a long time to dissipate. And I think that yeah. combined with what was going on in my personal life did, did, did make it quite a, 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 a manic period of time. I think that's, a, that's fair to say. Um, the way I describe it in the book was was almost like it was a, a post-traumatic joy rather than a post-traumatic stress yeah. where where I just felt completely completely absolved of of uh, of um, of the the weight I'd been carrying through through various things that were going on in my personal life which I which I write about in the book and um, I felt like I'd broken free from it all so um yes that period of time lasted quite a long time and then was was followed by uh, a period of uh, depression after that and i think one uh, one great bit of advice i got throughout the whole time was you know it's okay to have your head in the clouds but you must keep your feet on the ground at the same time and and i think what had perhaps happened was that i'd i'd I wasn't grounded during that time. And, and, and so from that moment on, I, I kind of started to realize that the grounding is a very important aspect to uh, to our climbing, <laughs> bizarrely. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think I, I, I know something of, of, of what you mean. I mean, certainly from some of the times that I used to climb, never, never at that kind of level, I hasten to add, but it can be quite difficult. It's, it's almost like stepping from one world to another because the, the, the intensity of climbing experience is something very very different very different from ordinary life and sometimes i certainly found it at times very difficult to step you know to, to go back to work on a monday morning after after a weekend of fairly hard climbing it, it, it's a it's difficult to adjust like that but but um maybe if if you don't mind if i could take you to 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 everest um in, you know 2014 um, you, you, you experienced what, what, one of the biggest disasters ever on ever, uh, Everest. Um, maybe, maybe, do you mind talking a little bit about that? What happened and how you found yourself? Yeah, that's fine. So, so my career started, you know, climbing with Dave McLeod and, and um, I was, I was I'm living up here in, in the Highlands of Scotland. I was, I was kind of interested to see if I could make a career in television without having to relocate to london so yeah. i i i managed to get some jobs in glasgow and, and built up my experience doing broadcast um television and and soon i i kind of worked up from being a runner to a producer director which is what i still work as now right and um and also because of my my climbing experience and my and my camera work i was um, I was asked along in 2014 to film the first wingsuit jump from the summit of Everest, um, which yeah. was a very ambitious live broadcast. And, um, and it, uh, it was like a dream come true to be offered a job to go and, to, to go and film on Everest. I couldn't quite believe it. You know, <laughs> only a few years ago, I'd been, you know, following Dave on these routes and, and suddenly here I was, but, but unfortunately, it, it, it wasn't uh, a dream. It turned into a bit of a nightmare. And yeah. um, in 2014, 16 Sherpa were killed in the icefall when a, a Serac collapsed. 
and um, I was actually due to be filming with them um, until plans were changed at the last minute, mm -hmm. meaning I wasn't there. And so our whole production was obviously cancelled and um, the Everest season was actually declared over and um, it was the, 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 the deadliest day the mountain had ever had in, in 2014. Mm -hmm. um, so that was all very... Uh, very upsetting and coming home from that and um, my wife was diagnosed with uh, with cancer um, which was uh, a lot for our young family to to, to deal with um, she's made a full recovery now but um, but after after the cancer then I went back in 2015 to Everest again and um, this time I was developing a documentary about the unsung heroes of Everest yeah, you know all all those working behind the scenes to make it possible, and that's when the avalanche, um, sorry, that's when the earthquake hit Nepal, uh, a big earthquake, a seven point eight magnitude mm -hmm. earthquake, and that triggered a big avalanche above base camp, and um, twenty two people sadly lost their lives that year, and I was very lucky to survive it. I was um, caught yeah. up out on the Kumbu Glacier. I'd actually filmed the avalanche coming towards me until I realized that it kind of burst out of my frames and it was actually in real life. And pretty soon I was knocked off my feet and I was swallowing the mountain and suffocating. And it was a very, very uh, difficult experience surviving that, but then being faced with the dilemmas of what to do next. I was there to make a documentary. Yeah. I had a camera. Yeah. I was faced with unbelievable amounts of suffering and trauma and also heroics and people pulling together and doing this the most amazing humanitarian work. And the whole experience of that combined with uh, what we'd been through building up to it with our family and also the previous year was was quite a lot to deal with and, and mm. um, left me reeling, shall we say. Um, it's hardly, I mean, it, it's hardly surprising, isn't it? A, a horrendously difficult experience. And, and also to have, you know, your wife's cancer diagnosis as well to hit you personally. I mean, it, it, but you can perhaps in some way distance yourself from what happens on a mountain, but, 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 to, but to cope with, you know, a very, very, very personal uh, you know, challenge at that time must have been really difficult. I was interested the process of writing about it. If you're writing about something like that, in many ways, you have to return to it. And how how did that feel when you were writing about these these really truly you know horrific events? Well, it was difficult, John. You know, uh -huh. I, I I didn't actually start writing. I didn't start out. I didn't say I'm going to write a book about it. Yeah. I just, yeah what i it, it it kind of evolved and and when i started writing it, it was more to try and get some order to all the the thoughts that were jumbled up mm -hmm. in my in my head and actually to see them out in the 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 real world kind of helped me to make sense of them all um but as i was writing you know there could be tears on the keyboard and i was releasing mm -hmm. more emotion that i that i didn't really even think was still there and yeah. um and as I was writing, I was also exploring the forest, which I live close to. And, 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 I, and I was discovering a real joy of, of 
barefoot running and going in cold water and the real grounding effect that that seemed to have on me. And so the, the two processes became part of the same thing, really. I, I was writing about my experiences and then I was running and then I was writing about running. And <laughs> then the, the, the kind of structure of the book became apparent to me that actually perhaps I could take the reader on a run with me through this forest. Yeah. And as we're running, they can learn about what I've been through and and um, and yeah, I can take them on a journey with me. So, so well, I'm, I'm interested in that. I mean, it, 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 well, the barefoot running, t tell me a little bit about that. Uh, I mean, it sounds, uh, from the way you've written about it in the book, um, it sounds very different from um, the, the kind of road running that I, that I've done in the past. I, 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 I hasten to add the very distant past. <laughs> um, I, ran, I ran a couple of marathons, uh, well, three marathons actually. Um, and as part of doing that, um, when you're running that, that kind of distance, uh, I used to kind of try and almost like <clears throat> distance myself from the running that was going on and almost kind of forget about it and sort of think about other things. But your barefoot running seems to put you in, in a very different place, in a different place where you're you're much more connected with the natural world. Is, is that is that a fair comment, do you think? Yeah, 100 percent. I think that and, and, and there lies its magic, really. So so when I was uh, when I returned back from Everest, um, I, I started to question whether I was suffering from post-traumatic stress. Mm -hmm. post-traumatic stress disorder and yes i still haven't had a a, a diagnosis of either but right. i kind of the book became an open question to myself do i have this and and why am i being plagued by these thoughts why am i reliving mm -hmm. these events and so through barefoot running what i discovered was a very similar state to one that i discovered when i was rock climbing all those years back when i was growing up in Sheffield mm -hmm. and then when I moved up to Scotland. I've, I've been a climber all my life and, and I've always been drawn to the, the freedom of the movement across rock and, and it's always been a huge part of me. Yeah. Now, when I'm in, in a kind of state of flow when I'm climbing, all I'm really focused on is the next move or, or the yeah. way I'm holding a hold. Or I'm, I'm, it's a very intimate moment you have with, with the present. And... Running barefoot, I discovered I needed to have that same sort of focus as I did when I was climbing. Otherwise, I would smash my foot into a stick or stand on a branch or, or yeah. you know, kind of injure myself. So, so what it required of me was to be very, very attentive to every single step I was making, the way my foot was landing on the ground, the way even I was taking off. And, and the way I was preparing to land. And these are all very, very uh, minuscule movements, a lot of which are just subconscious, actually. And, and our body is this, this fantastic ability to say you do stand on something that's wrong completely. The muscles will all recoil and, and, and take the weight away from where <laughs> you've just stood on. And, and I just found that this was this was incredible that I could almost get into a, a kind of subconscious side of myself where I could leave those the thoughts that were dominating my psyche behind and just be very much in, in, in present with what I was doing. 
So do you think it's, I mean, a sort of something that, 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 that kind of heightens your consciousness in some ways, or is it is it the fact that you've, I can, I can afford it, you, I suppose you, it's very difficult to think about anything else if you're doing that kind of running, is it? Or you know, you're so, you have to be exactly. acutely attuned yeah. as to what, what's happening in the moment. Is, is that is that right? Exactly, yeah, yeah. And and I guess what it what it was doing was just was just allowing me some breathing space from, from uh -huh. you know from 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 feeling the the feelings I was feeling uh, that were generated by the trauma and 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 it actually just gave me a little window and 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 I, I think that doing that along with um, going in the cold water as well which became um, something that was that still is very dear to me i i kind of almost feel like a day isn't complete now unless <laughs> i have been in some cold water somewhere right and, and again what that did was very similar to the running in, in that it just it just creates a, a a window between me and my thoughts when i get into the cold water all my attention is is on the, the sensations of my skin and I can I can hear that internal dialogue saying get out this is silly you know <laughs> what are you doing all those kind of voices of panic and then I realized that those voices of panic are actually the same voices of panic that I had whilst I was on the glacier suffocating while I was climbing you know it, it it's it's being able to to distance yourself from them and become a witness to them rather than being completely under their kind of dominance i guess and and with the with both the barefoot running and the cold water immersion just seemed to give me that little bit of space um just to let all those thoughts continue i mean you you're never going to stop thoughts I, I i think it's it's no. you know that that's an impossible task and and i think you know what i'm getting at here is kind of mindful meditation in some ways that that if you can if you can watch your thoughts rather than attach to them um you can see how they do come and go now this is really difficult with with post-traumatic stress because what happens is that triggers will trigger you and your body will actually release chemicals and and so on into your system as if the event's still happening so right it's not right. a it's, it's not a direct kind of comparison here but but what it did it, it, it just helped me a little bit to cope with what was going on I mean, a strange question, I suppose. But do you feel that the Joe French that um, came out of those experiences has found a way of, in 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 some way of coping with with with, with the trauma of of events? Do you feel a stronger person than you were before, or is that not something that you you relate to? I feel, I yeah, it's a good question. I, I think what I've realised is that that healing from these events is 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 an ongoing process and right and i think that yes you go through the, these experiences and they do make you stronger and they do they do make you more resilient and we do have to carry on that 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 is our that is our duty you know and 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 um but but in doing that i think we've got to be kind to ourselves to allow ourselves time to recover as well and to to not put too much pressure on ourselves to to have to recover, you know, quicker than we're ready to. So, mm -hmm. so yes, I, I I feel stronger now than I did, but 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 the the healing is ongoing, and and 
and once you've you've experienced post-traumatic stress you 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 open yourself up to what stress is and how it affects us and and i think i think everyone can can relate to in some ways what it's like to be really stressed and and to be caught up in your own head mm-hmm. and um and that is something that i think is just fundamentally part of being human um and that you know there's no escape from daily stresses and then you put post-traumatic stress and traumatic events on top of that and 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 that becomes just a little more complicated to to navigate and mm-hmm. um what i've been doing is just experimenting with ways of 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 healing myself with nature to 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 find a way through it really yeah i mean i've i've interviewed uh, i've interviewed a lot of mountaineers um over the time on this podcast and i and sometimes I've had the feeling that um, the person I'm talking to um, kind of has uh, 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 is still suffering the trauma of what might have happened 20 years ago. Um, and maybe, um, and some people don't seem to have, Not I'm not saying they haven't coped with it well, but what I'm really saying, I suppose, is you, some people don't take the time to deal with it. So you, what you really, you seem to be saying to me that you need to recognise that these things have tremendous dim, demands on yourself as an individual, on your psyche, on your personality, and you need to 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 kind of take time to allow yourself to recover from that. Is that is that fair enough? Yeah, absolutely. And 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 everyone will do this in their own way. You know, I think that mm. they're all I've described in this book is something that's worked for me and, 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 and is working with, for me, you know, I continue to run and I, (laughs) I continue to go in the cold water and, and, you know, but for, for someone else, it might be something completely different. Well, Um, I think you talk about gardening at one point, don't you? Exactly. Yeah. I mean, even, even the, the grounding, the grounding benefits of just getting your hands in the soil and, 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 you know getting down into the earth can be so healing as well and and yeah it's it's i you know i i, I think a, a lot of it is is if you can just somehow be kind to yourself and, mm-hmm. and let yourself have that distance between you and the event and and this can be so hard to do and and, and so many people's trauma is is a lot worse than what i've experienced as well so I can't speak on behalf of anyone else. No, um, and I can just I can just speak from my own experience. And, I mean, and... you 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 you've, you obviously you went through a couple of horrendous uh, times on on Everest, but you've actually been back there since. Um, and in a way, that surprised me. I thought, how can this person go back to that? Was was that difficult for you to return? Yes, it was very difficult to return. I, I returned in 2016 and um, I was also filming as well. So I, I took another job on Everest and I procrastinated for a, for a long time about whether I should or shouldn't. And, um, and you know, obviously spoke it through with Julie and, and, and mm-hmm. you know, it was, a, it was a, you know, an ongoing. And actually some, some other friends I spoke to as well to, to ask their advice of whether they think I should or not. Right. Right, but, but in but in in the end, I think my, you know, my gut feeling was that I should go back and I right. should go and visit my friends, 
and, and see how I was. And so I did go back and, and, and pretty much had a, a, a mini breakdown as I walked into to base camp. I, I felt like I was walking into one of the recurring nightmares I'd been yeah, having. Yeah. Um, and then I was having to pick myself up and start filming all at the same time. <laughs> So it was quite an intense experience, but but uh, definitely a healing one, and I, I definitely came back from it glad that I that I'd gone and I I'd finally had the chance to actually climb through the icefall and uh, right. and and actually get onto the mountain for the first time as well, which was uh, which was an amazing thing to do because Everest for for all its uh, headlines and 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 so on it is it is an incredible mountain and it's an incredible place to be. There's so much history and, and so many um, stories attached to it. So, so to actually go there for work is a, is a real privilege, actually, you know, despite everything else. So in a sense, I suppose that return was you, you kind of like facing down your demons in a way and, and, and experiencing something positive. Um, so perhaps, perhaps that, that, has that has that brought back your passion about filming in the mountains? Yes, I mean I, I've I've continued to work in in television um, throughout all of this, and and I've been going on on uh, on some amazing shoots all around the world, um, and I, I tend to do kind of adventurous stuff. So, yes, I the, I've, I've continued to work, and 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 I've continued to uh, to um, enjoy time in the mountains, and I and I think that that time in the mountains is such an important part of who I am mm -hmm. that I that I had to kind of just make the separation almost between me as a as a as a as a professional um working in the mountains and me as a as a person that just wants to be in the mountains because that's where I feel at home and that's where I I love to be mm -hmm. and so to reconcile that has been very important to me actually and and I and Working in television, you do feel a conflict with with um, you're there to do a job and and to 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 to, to film, you know, all the ad adventure and all the action, um, but also you know being there as as someone that just wants to be there in the mountains, you you know you you do feel um, well. I'm certainly sensitive to to. to Putting my camera where it's not wanted, should I say? Yeah. And, and, yeah. and filming things that, that that you know maybe shouldn't be filmed and stuff. So that's that's a you know that's a that's a whole different debate. So a lot so of yes, I, dilemmas there. Yeah. So what's what's um what, what what what's in the future for you? You, you you're just about to publish your first book. Um, what, what what sort of dream projects have you got that you're working on or looking towards now? Well, at the moment, it's, it's all been focused on this book um, for, for, for so long. For so long, been, yes, I know that. Really yeah, and, it, and, it, and it's amazing <laughs> that it's actually, it's actually, well, I mean, by the time this podcast is out, it might actually be out. I think it's released next, officially next It's Thursday. a week off, I think. 28th, week, I think, yeah, is the date I've got yeah. somewhere. Yeah, 28th, yeah. Exactly. yeah. Um, so that's the official release, but, it, but it's already available in Waterstones and other places, uh, oh, right. bookshops. Okay. Um, already, I think there's been <clears throat> some some uh, preview copies out. Ah, but right. but you know, in terms of big projects, obviously, want to carry on filming and 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 um, there's there's always new adventures to be had, and and I certainly um, as as I'm keen for that as ever. 
but also have become really interested in in the forest here and and, and restoring the forest here right. in Lock Harbour and and uh, myself and and Julie uh, are, are well it's actually Julie's <laughs> Julie's doing all the the complicated stuff seed collection and 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 um, so on from the forest here and we're trying to do as much tree planting as we can and, and regenerate this forest this rainforest that we actually have here in Lock yes, Harbour yeah yeah, um, yeah so so we're working together on that and um, yeah we're, we're always dreaming and scheming and, and planning <laughs> for the future so you know there's, well, there's always adventures to be had that's that, that sounds fantastic and I think the important thing is that we always dream <laughs> if you stop dreaming, then uh, I, I think life's kind of over in a way, isn't it? It's been fascinating talking to you. Uh, I think your book, as I said, is important in that it deals with some difficult issues. Um, uh, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. Thanks very much for coming on the show, Joe. Thanks, John. I've enjoyed it. Just before I close, I'm going to read this short excerpt from Joe's book, which is about barefoot running and how he feels about it. On a calm day, the surface of the locker would capture and amplify silence. The surrounding trees would hold it there in place. Within this space, waves of sound could unwind and unravel into distinct layers, separating the hum of nature from the distant rumble of civilization, broken only by the squawk of a jay or the splash landing of a duck. It was easy to miss these subtleties when lost in my thoughts, Tuning into this pristine now was the truest way to draw me out of the horrific then.